The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Hope you all are having an amazing, amazing day today. It is finally, finally Friday, and you'll know, eyes are never going to guess what today is because that's right, it is Friday, February 23rd, and today is National Skip the Straw Day. Well, I'll tell you what, I skip paper straws all the time and always ask for plastic ones, but nonetheless, it's also National Tile Day, National Dog Biscuit Day. And National Banana Bread Day, you guys. That's right. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on our very own website at www.highat9news.com. Kicking it off first, Rico is going to be a little late today. And uh, we have a quick little update, too. Do, uh, do we have that picture queued up? All right. We're going to show this quick picture real quick. Um, uh, Chris Eggers, who is normally uh, with us on Fridays, uh, we want to share this lovely picture he just sent us over this morning of his family. Newborn baby Archie with big sis and, and, and mama bear over there. And so we definitely want to congratulate them on the new addition to the family. And so Chris will be coming back with us in another couple weeks after everything's good with the baby and all that good stuff. We want to send, send the Eggers much love and, and appreciation for, for everything. And uh, I, it, Dr. Mark, Dr. T, do you, one of you guys want, doctors want to go first today? Yeah, 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 sure. Anytime. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. I think I heard Dr. Mark first. I think so. We're, we'll run with you, Dr. <laughs> Mark. Dr. Mark, he is out in the great Champlain region of New England and loves to go to fish concerts and make hash. That's right. It is none other than Dr. Mark Chaldone. Thank you, Jason. Yes, sir. Happy Friday to Happy everybody. Happy Friday. Hope everyone's having a great week and got a good weekend in store. Yeah. Uh, my story today comes from the New Yorker magazine, and it is entitled 
why are there still illegal weed stores all over the city right something that we've talked about quite a bit here on mm -hmm. nine news you know trap market in new york city you know all these weed shops so when i saw this uh, article pop up actually this article is a is an interview between new york magazine and a fellow named chris alexander who's the uh, executive director of the Cannabis Control Board there in, in, in New York. Uh, so I'll read a little bit of it, but, uh, you know, the theme is, is going to be quite clear, you know, what's going on here and maybe, you know, the acknowledgement that they got to try to get their arms around the trap. So soon after New York legalized marijuana in 2021, and well before any legal licensed cannabis dispensaries opened, a new kind of shop began popping up all around town, colonizing many storefronts left empty by the pandemic. In 2022, Herb dubbed these stores weed bodegas, describing the fly-by-night business as part of a smoke shop, part convenience store, part dispensary, all packaged in the aesthetic of a monster energy drink. Beyond their illegality, garnishes, and uh, questionable product, weed bodegas have undermined cannabis entrepreneurs who are trying to follow the rules, many of which have navigated tangles of red tape and extended delays to the open legal dispensaries and are still doing so. The bureaucratic chaos has put a blemish on New York's pioneering attempt to prioritize racial and gender diversity as well as those previously convicted of marijuana-related offenses in its licensing program. Almost since Weed Bodega's inception, the city and the New York Office of Cannabis Management, which is the OCM, which regulates marijuana sales, have been talking about cracking down on them, yet they're as thick as the ground as ever. Thick as ever on the ground. <laughs> Lawmakers are now <laughs> speaking with more urgency. Governor Kathy Hochul recently called for the state's cannabis rollout a disaster and has proposed legislation that would grant the OCM more power to shut down illegal businesses. I spoke with Chris Alexander, the executive director of the agency, about the difficulty of closing some of the illegal shops, and he's glad police aren't more involved in enforcement and what's around the corner for legal weed in New York. Sounds like the dogs are chiming in. Yeah. You're good. Keep 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 going, Doctor Mark. Keep going. Keep going. Don't worry about that. Okay. So, hey, get over here, guys. Okay. So here's the first of of many questions, and I'll just go through a few of these for brevity's sake. Why are there so many of these shops still around after three years? And Chris's answer to that question is, that's a good question. Since the proliferation began, we decided to take it on. Uh, this was not the initial design of our office, not the initial function of the office. We knew that there would be some illegal activity or illicit sales, but what was happening in every other market? 
But this is New York, so it's more. Everything in New York is more, right? At the beginning of this, I would attribute the delay in response to the folks who would normally engage in this type of enforcement to education. We had to remind law enforcement, for example, that yes, we legalized, but condition for being a legal business is that you are licensed, just like with the New York State Liquor Authority. So if you're engaged in activity without a license, the same penal law offenses apply. Those offenses are still on the books. But I think there was a greater shift of expectation from the wider communities and local leaders, etc., that the entity that would be regulating the plant would also step in uh, in a way that the SLA, which is the State Liquor Authority, doesn't for illegal cannabis shops. So we stepped in. Like any law enforcement mechanism shifts in, uh, from criminal to civil, there are challenges. It is still criminal activity, but, the, uh, but we are taking on enforcement action. And in doing so, we passed the first law to give ourselves the authority to take this action because the original law did not give us the authority over the unlicensed shop despite anyone's imagination. Then we had to pass regulations and create a hearing process, create controls around the plants that are being seized, uh, develop penalties, hire people. This was something that we were doing. It's frustrating to the point where people can probably hear it in my tone a little bit. And then the reporter asked, yeah, and you could hear it from my questions that I am somewhat confused. And I think that this is widespread about who is enforcing the rules here and who has the power to enforce them. And Chris responded saying, well, I'll say we're doing it. A lot of smoke shops are presenting themselves as smoke shops and the city sheriff has control and authority over those selling tobacco products. So we've engaged in the process. District attorneys have not been prosecuting cannabis offenses generally, but they have been helping to facilitate landlords kicking people out who are engaging in the activity. The Department of Tax and Finance, which has a role with us in these doing these investigations, is involved, and everyone's doing a little bit, but largely the OCM has been taking this on. And the reporter asks, it seems like there's been the classic New York City problem of agency coordination with five different entities, probably referring to the five different boroughs, have a role in maintaining something together, uh, but they're less effective than a single entity with all those combined powers. Then Chris responded saying, I wouldn't say that exactly because we've all been in coordination. I think the problem at the start was who owns it because to be very frank in the, in the back of my mind i was asking why law enforcement hadn't done anything over the last 40 years to an uh an excessive level in certain communities reporter responded by saying fair question then chris said i spent a long time just basically saying what left penal law offenses on the books why are people not getting arrested for these offenses? Once we get over and we just accept 
the fact that this is a shift from criminal to civil enforcement action. Now it's on us. I wouldn't say it's a lack of coordination. It's just the fact that we have to build on the rules of that civil engagement because this hasn't been, this hasn't existed before. In the beginning, I would often say, well, they're not just breaking the cannabis laws by selling without a license, they're breaking municipal laws. They're also breaking penal and tax laws. And the reporter asked, why do you think police would be so hesitant in taking action? It seems unlike them, as you said. And Chris answered, I would say it's a big shift. When we legalized, people had to adjust to just what that meant. Just because you're not going to go after the low-level person smoking a joint. The roles change. The roles have changed. I think it's just because it's education and more of an adjustment in that way. I would say that the NYPD and local law enforcement agencies across the state have helped with sites maintaining site control and safety. So I do appreciate that support. But yeah, it's a re-education. I think uh, we were people first uh, who don't recognize how much of this has happened. Uh, we shifted significantly since the population, uh, uh, since, I'm sorry, since legalization in terms of our public policy, so it doesn't take time for people to adjust. So I'm going to scroll down to like the last question that he asks here. So there's a bunch of questions and back and forth on this, but uh, I won't take up any more time than to just say the reporter's last question, which was, I'm from Massachusetts where we legalized weed in 2016. And you're right, it's gonna take a few years to get smooth operations up and running everywhere, but uh, they did it there in a more standard way. And then Chris responded by saying, the big difference, and I don't wanna disparage other regulators, but different methods have tried to ensure diversity in the market. And I think the truth of the matter is, in order to ensure diversity, you have to license more diverse people. We, speaking of New York now, made this a priority and we led with this. We didn't say, okay, there's a program and an office that's going to focus on ensuring these people have access. No, we said that we have to go there first. And I think it frustrated folks, obviously. But what I'm seeing now in the market is we have uh, already the most diverse market in the country, even uh, with just only seven retailers and 270 farmers that we have. Again, it's gonna take some time to fully ramp up, but we have a lot of dispensaries to get open, uh, but a lot of businesses are doing well. We have some time, uh, uh, some of the top dispensaries uh, in the country right here in New York. It's just time it's just time, he's saying. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the real biggest variable here. The time that's taken to do this in the right way has frustrated folks. But at the same time, I'm very excited about the outlook for 2024. So you could read uh, more of this back and forth between this New York uh, Magazine reporter and Chris Alexander, the director of the OCM. But I think what you're going to find, again, is a very common theme, which is that, yeah, I don't think they realized that the trap was as strong as it was. I mean, I don't know. Um, 
It is something that is going to take some time to basically get a level playing field to where the licensed producers in New York are going to be able to share some of that market. But this is, I think, what we've always kind of said here on Hyatt 9, which is as long as there's prohibition everywhere, there'll be a trap market everywhere. Or as long as there's prohibition anywhere, there'll be a trap market everywhere. So uh, this is Dr. Mark from the great state of Vermont. I'd be interested in what all you have to say about this. Uh, this is something we've talked about quite a bit here on Hyatt 9. That, you know, it's a formidable challenge to snuff out the trap. Yeah, I mean, this this just proves, Dr. Mark, that identity politics don't work. Because they tried basing their whole program based off identity politics, and their whole program is probably the biggest catastrophe that we've seen any municipality incorporate in cannabis as to date. Well, how did they do this in Los Angeles? I mean, I think Los Angeles is certainly a bellwether. They did it by zip codes. Yeah. They did it by zip but, codes. So, so, but but let, let me ask something. So there, there was a trap market that existed in kind of like the smoke shop convenience store format mm -hmm. that they were able to kind of get their hands on or kind of convert those into dispensaries or? No, I think it was different here. While you were reading that, Dr. Mark, I was thinking back to, yeah, the years 16 to 18 here in California, which was the time, you know, it was passed in 16, but it went into effect in 2018. And I just don't remember any of us being so concerned about the trap or smoke shops or unlicensed businesses. Um, obviously, we're California. We have a lot of uh, traditional market here, mm -hmm. um, but we really, I don't think there's as much focus on it because there were so many more licensed retailers. I'm sorry. Did that article say seven, seven licensed retailers? Yeah, they're, they're, they're propping up seven licensed retailers thinking that that's going to contribute. That's going to slow down the trap at all in New York. And when, and I think one of the big differences between New York and Los Angeles too, uh, Do Dr. Mark is, is the, the, the compression, the, the, the size, you know, Los Angeles is extremely spread out as far as a landmass and New York is extremely condensed. And so therefore people see it a lot more every day when they're just walking yeah. just through, through the streets, as opposed to, you know, you, you, you could walk a, couple miles in LA and not and and not see a trap store even though even though they're all over the right. place. I think it, I think it, it was seven it was seventy at least, not not oh, not seven. Years. So okay. seventy retailers and two hundred and seventy farmers. Even seventy. And they're talking about the whole state of New York for seventy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And in California, like you gotta know someone to go to the traditional market or at least you know have a plug, right? And then there's the trap shops or you know wherever they mm -hmm. are but they're not like in your face like every other store or corner like you know new york and i think there were so many other big retailers opening you know a lot more than seven prior to those licensed prior to those licensed retailers opening and becoming you know dispensaries available for people was there a kind of like a trap smoke shop in in la there was tons of trap smoke shops in LA. Well, you know, and, and, and then and then they were medical though. They, they were the collectives. Collective. Yeah, there, the, there was all trap yeah, shops. Those were all trap shops. Collective. Those those were they they were not registered as nonprofits. Doctor T. Ninety percent of them were not registered as that. They were just out there trapping, getting it, taking advantage of the of the loose regulations and lack of enforcement yeah. that were going on in California. 
That's right, but it was the best way to do it. It was. We used the funnel approach. We New York could have left all the bodegas open and let them be quasi legal, and then slowly start introducing regulations. But they came in and really squeezed mm-hmm. down tightly, and which didn't allow, which created a large illegal market. It's really the you know the government's you know and, and- fault there. You're 100% right, Dr. T. And, you know, we have to be 100% honest when we're having this conversation. I think another thing that perpetuates this whole this whole trappiness going on in New York is the proliferation of uh, products like Delta 8, Delta 9, HHC, and THCO, tobacco. all to, of these to, products. To is quite, 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 quite what opened the door, Jason, was the nicotine vape shops. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden they started carrying Delta 8 and HHC and all these other things. Yeah. And, and the, the other thing which is kind of quaint about New York, and I don't know if this exists in Los Angeles, is you can go into your local deli and get a sandwich. You can pick up a newspaper. You can maybe pick up a few groceries, and you can get a bag of weed. <laughs> you know, yep. so it, it, it's not just a, a smoke shop. I mean, yeah, do they sell pipes and bongs and do that? They they have that, but they have nice sandwiches. Yep. There's you know imagine, loaves of bread. Imagine if you going need to into pick Cantor's. up a box of pop tarts. You bring home. You could bring home a box yeah. of pop tarts. But you know they're just convenience stores, and I think from the convenience store mentality. These folks know, and they're often like Asian, like Indian, and you know things like that. They know that hey, people want to buy this. I'm going to sell it because I can make money. And someone who's going to come into my shop to buy a sandwich and buy this and buy that. Now I'm going to bundle everything that that guy buys and throw a little weed in there. Yeah, why not? Yep. So it's yeah. I mean, I don't know if those kinds of shops ever exist. We have in those. LA, did they? Yeah, yeah, we have those. We have those. We have liquor stores where you can buy sandwiches and shit like that. Yeah, that's not that's not uncommon. Sandwiches, bag of yeah. weed, bottle of booze. I mean, you can buy, you can buy. I mean, you can probably buy other stuff in them too if you ask the right questions. But nonetheless, we got to go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. Oh man, that was weird. Hey, you America. I look like Sean Connery. <laughs> Good morning, America. Saman Razani coming to you live from sunny Los Angeles, California with the one and only highest host, Mr. Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast? You can find it on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. No excuses in 2024. If you haven't checked us out, Check it out now. And also, check out what The Prophet's doing in 2024. Oh, yes. And we're back. And we're back, you guys. I'm going to roll into, in, in, into, into my first story for you guys. This is, this is a little humdinger. I think you guys might find this pretty interesting, especially all you dog lovers out there. You're a dog lover? I, th- I know Elise is a dog lover. Let's see. Let's see if she has any pity for these dogs. Because narcotics canines that smell marijuana in Ohio will need to retire. And there's a proposal that would help police forces foot the bill, you guys. Nearly 300 drug-sniffing dogs in Ohio will need to retire in the near future as legalization of cannabis has rendered their marijuana-smelling snouts a liability for law enforcement across the state. Several agencies, including the Ohio State Highway Patrol, have already begun replacing their marijuana-impaired 
canines with narcotics dogs not trained to root out cannabis. Others have plans to quickly phase out their canines for fear of the legal ramifications for their alerts. The latest state to legalize adult use marijuana is Ohio is is also the latest state forcing to uh, blow its blow uh, blow to its police force dog force something representative Sean Berman called an unintended consequence of the passage of issue two <laughs> dogs trained to detect marijuana cannot reliably uh, Reliable be reliably be retrained to forget it, meaning any alert they give to the presence of narcotics can be challenged in court. With law enforcement agencies big and small facing potentially astronomical costs to replace marijuana impaired dogs, Brennan, Democrat from Parma, and Representative Josh Williams, Republican from Sylvania, hope to hope to ease the financial burden and soon their proposal, House Bill 396, would give police forces up to twenty thousand per canine to offset the cost of acquiring training and equipping narcotics dogs that don't alert to the smell of cannabis in a quote if you're a drug trafficker from Pennsylvania and you want to transport cocaine into the state of Ohio across to Indiana, all you need to do is put a joint in, in your cup holder, Williams, a criminal defense attorney uh, by trade, said. If the dog alerts on that vehicle and he's been trained and Im- I- imprinted of the smell of marijuana, the whole entire search gets thrown out in court, he says. Sergeant Joe Albert, public information officer at Columbus, po- at Col- uh, Columbus Police, said although the department's stop training canines to detect marijuana after hemp was legalized in late 2018 four marijuana impaired dogs remain on the force columbus police uh, plan to retire two of those dogs within the year he said and the force currently has five narcotics dogs trained to ignore cannabis in a quote they say twenty thousand dollars per canine can help ensure agencies have a way to continue to address all the crime and community issues that come with illegal drug activity albert said in an email no marijuana impaired dogs remain on the ohio state highway patrol's canine unit and the patrol stopped training marijuana impaired dogs back in 2018 uh, they said it's public inform it's public information officer but the patrol was retired at least uh, has it retired at least four narcotics dogs since since issue two passed in last november although it's not clear how many were retired specifically for being trained to detect cannabis smaller police departments with smaller budgets and fewer dogs face potentially significant cuts to their canine units brennan said his hometown department in parma for instance will have to retire three of its five dogs and Ch- Ch- Chiliotes police two canines are both trained to detect cannabis according to the department's website there are 298 marijuana-smelling narcotic canines in Ohio, according to data uh, Brennan received from the Ohio Police Officers Training Academy. And under Williams and Brennan's bill, the state would allocate $6 million to kickstart the transmission from marijuana-impaired canines. After that, remaining cannabis-smelling canines would be replaced with money from the Cannabis Social Equity and Jobs Fund, a fund created from tax revenue uh, from eventual adult use sales. Other states have grappled with the retiring of police dogs in 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 Massey after uh, the legalization of marijuana in Colorado, for instance, a court ruling solidified concerns that marijuana impaired uh, dogs or marijuana imp- imprinted dogs would threaten the admissibility of their drug alerts in court. Uh, these uh, 
a slate of narcotics canines were retired in Virginia after its legislature passed a law banning police stops for searches based solely on marijuana order, odor and uh, as lawmakers proposals to regulate marijuana remain at a standstill in the legislature Brennan and Williams hope their bill which has 30 co-sponsors can move quickly before the consequences play out in the police departments or in court and quote I don't think that anybody that voted for issue two saw that this would be a problem and I've never talked to anybody that is anti-police canine Brennan said HB 396 has been referred to in the house in the house finance committee and is awaiting its first hearing well 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 what do you guys have to say about all these canines losing their jobs and having to go on the paw patrol to look for work in the unemployment line what do y'all think about this I want to rescue them you want to rescue them Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. They want she wants to rescue them. Oh man. Just they should be problematic. Service dogs or something. This you, you can't you can't teach a dog two tricks. So like once they're trained this, you're not gonna train them to forget it. So it's kind of kind of pointless for that, Elise. Yeah. That is what's interesting. How do you make them forget that? Well, which is why they should just be able to be rehomed in a place where they don't have to work and be sniffing out like, cannabis. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they could be service dogs for patients. That's what I was going to suggest. Is, is like, yeah, like they, they, they should be sending these dogs to those schools to go and help like like wounded warriors and stuff like that. And, and, and then that way, all the veterans that are using these dogs, then if they lose their bag, the dog can still go find the bag for the owner. Um, no <laughs> no you don't think that's practical dr t the dogs would freak out every time you you're the wounded warrior rolled the joint and uh this would become a problem man he just <laughs> they gotta excited. go to people who don't use cannabis <laughs> oh they gotta go to people that don't use cannabis man yeah yeah well, i can't take them and neither can you no. <laughs> I well, what, what, what I can tell you is can, cannabinoids don't smell at all. What there's what dogs are smelling when they smell cannabis They're is terps. actually caryophylline yeah. oxide. Caryophylline yep. oxide, which is actually it um, you know, the plant makes caryophylline. Uh, the oxide of caryophylline is actually a degradation product, so it's aged aged caryophylline is what what they're um, honing in on. So maybe, yeah, your cannabis varieties don't have that, so. <laughs> oh, no, man, oh, man, oh, man. Well, all, all cannabis has beta caryophylline, and then... If right, you just maybe the not oxidizer. the oxide. Yeah, maybe right. not the oxide, right. Mm, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. These poor dogs, they're all going to be out of work, and you know what? Fortunately, these dogs don't get paid, so it's not really going to affect the budget in these municipalities all that much. They just have to go and... I mean, they could always donate them to their local pound, right? That could always work too, right? No, Elise is shaking her head. As long as nobody smokes weed at the pound. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just don't just don't walk outside when the, the staff is on their five minute breaks. But uh, we're we're gonna yeah, keep this keep this keep this train rolling, you know, like a bunch of wild dogs running through the snow in antarctica you know what i'm saying elise see there we go there's the little there's a little doggy right there we're gonna roll right on into dr gene Talleyrand. he is the founder of medican and the cesc and medican is where you can go online to get all of your medical recommendations on time that's right it is none other than dr gene Talleyrand. thanks jason uh happy friday everyone let's see so my headline today is from cannabis health uh, patients to call for equity in medical cannabis access 
at UN Commission on Narcotic Drugs by Sarah Sinclair. Members of the International Alliance of Cannabinoid Medicine Patient Council, alongside other nonprofit organizations, will represent the rights of patients seeking legal, fair, and equitable access at the UN Commission on Narcotic Drugs in Vienna this March, March 14 to 22nd. The commission was established in 1946 as the functional commission of the UN Economic and Social Council and as the principal policy-making body within the UN system on drug control issues. This session is a midterm review of all international drug policy commitments over the next five years. This will be the first time that the IACM Patient Council will attend the Commission on Narcotic Drugs, with six representatives taking part, providing written and oral statements, and negotiating forums to help shape the debate and influence policy outcomes. The event has been described as a historic moment for cannabis activism, with the presence of patients and activists at a high-level event. While over 20 members of the European Union have legalized medical cannabis in some form, access varies greatly between countries. In Germany, the number of patients who hold prescription for cannabis are into the triple digits, although only a small portion qualify for medical reimbursement. Meanwhile, in Greece, where medical cannabis was legalized in 2017, patients still have no access to legal medicine. The issue that patients face with access are common in, to citizens around the world, said Jacqueline Poitras, IACM Patient Council co-founder and representative from Greece. The treaties and regulations that have been put in place definitely need to be revised and updated to support the rights and needs of patients today. Political agendas of some countries shouldn't be allowed to be an obstacle to safe and affordable access. Michael Kravitz, representative for the USA and executive director of Veterans for Medical Cannabis Access, also highlight, highlighted growing evidence to support cannabis as an alternative to opioid-based medications. Cannabis as an adjunct pain treatment pro produces better patient outcomes and reduces the need for opiates, said Kravitz. Canadian representative and founder of AUBE, the voice of medical cannabis patients, Daphne Elisma added, it is essential that the barriers to safe and affordable access to medical cannabis be addressed on a non-discriminatory basis. Other members of the IACM Patient Council who will be in attendance are Tom Curran from Ireland, Dr. Pavel Kubu from the Czech Republic, and Kevin Herzig from Austria. I'm not an expert on international relations or politics, However, this historic event seems to be an important step in the global acceptance of medical cannabis. Since the UN is heavily influenced by the United States, this could be another sign that we are ready to reschedule or deschedule cannabis. When I think about this moment, starting in Northern California several decades ago and now blossoming to the international stage, it's clear that the medical or wellness benefits of cannabis are changing the global perspective. As the discussion continues, let's make sure to maintain a medical perspective to the end. This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand with HIA 9 News.
Dr. T, man. I feel like this is good news, at this, but at the same time, I feel like this is just like a lot of lip service because you know the UN isn't going to get anything done. They're going to they're gonna fall back on the treaties that are in place that say that cannabis is bad and da-da-da-da-da-da. And this is just, I feel like this is just, just theatrics. It feels like it, and like I say, I'm not an international expert. It feels like a lot of the, uh, theatrics, but it may also be a sign that the U.S. is ready to change, that something's really is going to come down the pike from Department of Justice, whether it's something we agree with or not, um, that something is going to happen, and we're also taking this step on the international stage. Mm-hmm. I hope they leave it alone. I think, I, I think it's, ha- it's happening all, all, all around the world. In fact, I think the headline today is that Ger- Germany just legalized, didn't they? We're, 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 we'll get I mean, into that later in the show. We'll get into that later in but, the show. But so, so is, isn't there just a trend amongst the Western, you know, industrialized yeah, world? That, this is the thing, though. Legalization, you know, le- legalization is not is is not the goal. Okay, we covered a story uh, here earlier in the week where there was a patient. In Illinois, okay, a licensed patient in Illinois that that got their house raided for their home grow, and they were arrested, and their plants and weed were all taken away, and their rosin press. So that so so people can say that that's legalization, but you know what? That's not legalization at all whatsoever. It's defunct. It's like as long as you do this, then then it's okay. But as if you do this, then it's not okay, and that's not legalization. That's it's just ridiculous to me. Yeah, and I think the people. Go ahead. Go ahead, Elise. I was just going to say, I think it's the same lip service that we've gotten from Biden and our own administration about there being actual changes here. And we can't Mm -hmm. really fault the U.N. because the only reason the U.N. took the policy that it did on cannabis and drugs is because of our own war on drugs. Correct. They followed our policies. So well, we fund them. Yeah, you know, so, and yeah, I'm with you, Jason. I mean, same with Florida wanting to make people felons for ordering Delta 8. So it's Mm -hmm. like, we're still going to throw people in prison for these other cannabinoids and ruin their lives while it's legal. It's just Mm -hmm. not making any sense. Exactly. Exactly. What were you going to say? I think think people on this council would agree with you too. I, you know, the legalization is not, you know, acceptance of cannabis is not access to cannabis. Mm-hmm. They're complaining, you know, in their own countries that they're not getting access to cannabis, even though there's legalization. Yeah. Um, so it's a long road down that not, down that way. But I still mention, see this as positive news. Not, not, not to mention, not to mention a lot of those people in those countries, Dr. T, they're getting all the boo from Canada. Which is even sadder in the I, first place. I, I, maybe they should grow it on their own uh, soil. I mean, Mediterranean climate seems pretty good for cannabis. I mean, I, th- I think Mediterranean would sound amazing if they had some Mediterranean spice out there. You know what I mean? You, 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 can, you can ask any, anybody from the Native American population how our government honors treaties. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. What so what does a treaty really mean? I mean, well, it technically, uh, Doctor Mark, today is National Dog Treat Day, and I'm pretty sure that that's pretty much all that they're good for. Is pretty similar as that. Yes, I think we're talking about those kinds of treaties, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Treaties, treaties, huh, Lise? You know all about those treaties for your little pup. Mm-hmm. Take CBD treaties. See, see what I'm saying? <laughs> CBD treaties. Yeah, there we go. We're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. 
The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. As coming up next, we're waiting for for, for Rico to, to to join us today. By the way, you guys, his his wife had a flat tire, and so he had to go and help rescue her real quick, uh, rescue Jasmine from the flat tire. So uh, he should be joining us any time coming up shortly. But in the meantime, we're gonna roll right on into Miss Elise Roberts, who is the fashionista, fashionista herself, who today just happens to be extremely stylish today because she happens to be rocking, that's right, the Inbeck We Trust shirt. Yes, those are very, very exclusive shirts. And so that's coming up next is none other than Elise McRoberts. I know you want one of those, Dr. Uh T, I know. Thank you, Jason, and you we trust. Yes. Yes, this is a vintage from your birthday party at yes. Green Street a couple yes. of years ago. That's right. In back we but trust. while I am happy to be reporting here from Northern California, my story is from an even more awesome place, Jamaica. So this is from the Cannabis Business Times, and the headline reads, Jamaica Company Ships First Legal Exports of THC to United States for DEA Testing. Pure Jamaican elevates Jamaica as global provider of legal cannabis with pharmaceutical THC product exports to the U.S. and Brazil. It's by Tony Lang, and this is the article. Montego Bay, Jamaica, February 22nd. Pure Jamaican, and, and this is a press release, Pure Jamaican and its GMP-certified licensed pharma manufacturer, 710 Pharmaceuticals, are elevating Jamaica's role in the global cannabis supply chain by legally exporting proprietary pharmaceutical products with cannabis-derived THC, as well as hemp-derived CBD, and other cannabinoids to the United States, Brazil, and other international markets. The permissions to export pure Jamaican pharmaceutical products containing THC to the U.S. were granted by Jamaica's Ministry of Health and Wellness to 710 Pharmaceuticals pursuant to valid corresponding import permits received from the U.S. Drug Enforcement, a.k.a. DEA, and the products were shipped to a DEA licensed facility in the U.S. for successful analytical testing. Once the DEA approves the rescheduling of THC from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3 under the U.S. Controlled Substance Act, as it is widely anticipated, funny how this article is leading with that, 710, in, or isn't that a great company name, by the way? It's 7, the word, dash 10, by the way. 710 intends to request DEA permits to ship pure Jamaican pharmaceutical THC products from Jamaica to patients in the U.S. subject to valid doctor pres prescriptions and all relevant DEA, FDA, and state pharmacy distribution regulations. We see where this might be going, don't oh, we, folks? Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, 710 has already begun shipping Pure Jamaican's Botanico's pharmaceutical tinctures with THC and other cannabinoids directly to patients in Brazil pursuant to Anvisa 
import permits. Together, Brazil and the U.S. represent populations of more than 500 million people providing tremendous potential demand. Docker demand for cannabis. Scott Cathart, CEO of Pure Jamaican and 710 Pharmaceuticals, said, This is a proud moment for Jamaica and for our group of companies. Jamaica has long been associated with ganja, but never before in this context as a producer and legal exporter of THC as pharmaceutical-grade medicine. As the only company in Jamaica licensed for pharmaceutical manufacturing of cannabinoids, we are proud to be leading the way to elevating the role of Jamaica in the global cannabis ecosystem. The president of Jamaica Promotions Corp, Jampro, Shulik Cox, said the growth of cannabis industry for medicinal purposes has been a priority of the government of Jamaica and particularly the export of value-added products from Jamaica. The success of Pure Jamaican and 710 Pharmaceuticals is applauded as Jampro continues to facilitate the local medicinal cannabis industry and ensuring its role in driving growth of exports. Dr. Ellen Grizzle, Chief Regulatory and Compliance Officer of Pure Jamaican and 710 Pharmaceuticals and former Dean of the College of Health and Science, UTech, said, this is a labor of love and not easy. Jamaica has 52% of the world's medicinal plants in our small island nation, and we are very proud to be exploring ways to identify new botanical medicines to bring health, wellness, new exports, and economic growth to our country. So that's the story, once again, from Cannabis Business Times on Jamaica getting ready to ship legal exports of THC to the U.S. and Brazil. And I'm Elise McRoberts, a.k.a. The Hashinista, reporting live from Marin County, California, high at 9 News. So I have thoughts on this, but I would love to see what y'all have to say, and then I'll maybe chime in, but I think we see the few little points in this article that might make us Californians or Americans even wonder, why are we getting ready to accept cannabis from other countries? <laughs> I, 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 I can't wait to hear what the two doctors have to say, but I feel like this is just the first step because they said it in the article. This is the first step from once it goes to schedule three, you're not going to be able to buy any of this weed that you're buying tr- now. You're going to be getting all this stuff imported from these GMP facilities out of, out of the country, Colombia, uh, uh, Jamaica, all this stuff. And it's going to be hay boof worse than Canadian weed. Well, I mean, there's so much to unpack in this story. That, uh, you know, exactly. Access point is, is the biggest. You, you're getting federal approval by the DEA to import something, but uh, that is, uh, you know, FDA approved. You know, is this going to be delivered through the pharmacies as a pharmaceutical grade? That's how it's drug? Well, no, no. It's, it's, and, it sounds like they're going to do direct, direct to pay. Like basically, you're going to go to their website, upload your prescription for marijuana because once it's Schedule Three, doctors will be able to write prescriptions for marijuana, right? And then so you upload your prescription, and then they'll just be mailing it to your house. That's how it sounds right. to me. Well, I, when I write a prescription, I write it to a pharmacy. Uh, uh, you know, it's a certain format, you know, mm-hmm. and only licensed pharmacies Triplicate, can right? sell it. So Triplicate. these licensed pharmacies that are already selling, uh, well, yeah, it could be triplicate or regular, but they're already selling, you know, Marinol and they're already selling uh, Epidiolex. So, and they're already selling, well, not Sativex, but they are approved formulation by formulation so that. It still needs FDA approval. That's the one part I'm not, I'm confused about. 
Oh, man. Well, that article says it's, this won't happen until, one, it passes the DEA test and um, the FDA and state pharmacy distribution regulations. So I wonder if it would be that way where a doctor writes the script to the state pharmacy, the state pharmacy then fills the script with this medicine that's been approved by the DEA and FDA that came from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's possible. It's happening now. Uh, you know, it's happening with epidiolics, right? Or, yeah, those things were produced outside of the country. I mean, they're now being produced in the country, but. I think where everyone's going to get screwed on this one. Everyone's going to get when you, when you, when you can grow your own medicine, you don't need to go to a doctor. You don't need to go to a pharma. The pharmaceuticalization of cannabis is going to fail miserably. We don't need, we don't need mids from MSOs. Mm -hmm. We don't. Right. And, and you, you know, I, I, I guess the thing that, that keeps this, and this goes back to the conversation that Dr. T and I had maybe about a month or so ago is so-called accepted medical use, right, Dr. T? So we all know that cannabis helps with numerous ailments, but that's not an accepted use because it hasn't gone through the FDA gauntlet, right? Mm -hmm. So what has gone through the FDA gauntlet, you, you know, it's amazing that Elise was saying that this story is like targeting for some kind of DEA approval, DEA test. What? What? What's what's DEA? D is a DEA is a drug enforcement agency. Why do they need to test anything? Right? What are they testing for? They're testing for cannabinoids. Guess what? They're going to be in there. So so why insert the DEA in here at all? I get the FDA. And again, Jason, exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. If the play is to reschedule the three, this is how they can basically try to co-opt yep. the market. Exactly. But, you know, all of us folks understand that the legacy in the trap will win all day long there. There's no way that schedule three mids from big pharma can compete with the trap. No way. No way, nope. it's going to It hurts the patients the most, though, because when you think about the patients who might be looking for access to medical cannabis, THC, or CBD for the first time because it's now approved and they can get it through their pharmacy, they're going to go try this medicine, have no idea what real whole plant medicine can do for them, right? Try these isolated FDA and DEA-approved compounds that... In past, we've seen are not as effective, right, with, you know, epidiolics or Marinol. So, you know, how harmful is that to the, I don't know, bazillion people who really need access to this medicine that are finally going to get it under Schedule 3? But, yeah, like you say, it's going to be boof. And they don't, they don't have a plug or know that they can call a traditional shop or something to get some whole plant tincture or other form of medicine. It's not even about fire flower or bomb hash. This is about whole plant medicine that people need access to that does save and change lives. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do Jamaica a favor here and I'm going to tell them, right? When it comes to producing commodity cannabis, it's a race to the 
bottom, a race to the bottom. And do you know that Jamaica is challenged on resources? A lot of resources aren't produced in Jamaica. They have to come into Jamaica. Jamaica is never going to win in the race to the bottom. What will Jamaica win in? Cannabis tourism. Cannabis tourism. I mean, Jamaica, like no other place in the world. It's where Bob Marley and Peter Tosh started reggae music. It, it, it can totally be the cannabis tourist destination in the world, kind of like the way Amsterdam was. So you know what? Get off this high horse thinking that somehow you're going to be the low-cost producer of pharmaceutical cannabis in the world. You're not. You're going to lose at that. But you will win at cannabis tourism because people want to come down to Jamaica, listen to Bob Marley music and smoke a big fatty as they're sucking mm -hmm. on their beautiful drink watching the sunset. Come on, man. That's where Jamaica's going to win. Not a low-cost cannabis production. That's bullshit. Yeah. Tell them, Dr. Mark. Yeah, and, Dr. Mark. Yeah, and on that, we're going to go to a commercial. This kind of passion I like to give a step into the room, too. Oh, man. We're going to go to a commercial. Hey, we're going to be right back. Get ready for the 20-year anniversary celebration of the Emerald Cup. The Emerald Cup will be held at the Henry J. Kaiser Center for the Arts in downtown Oakland, May 4th and 5th. Get your tickets now for best pricing. Cannabis categories include flour, pre-rolls, solventless concentrates, solvent concentrates, cartridges, edibles, topicals, tinctures, and alternative cannabinoids. So enter early for your chance to be a winner at the 20-year anniversary Emerald Cup competition. Pep boys. I'm working on that. Oh, yes. And we have him back, the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lamite, who knows how to change a car tire, apparently, because he made it back all in one piece. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, the tire iron layer, Mr. Rico Lamite. <laughs> the tire iron layer. You like that? Piped. Yeah. Used to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you for uh, your patience. I appreciate that. I'd, uh, you know, get the good husband uh, duties out there and mm -hmm. head out to Watts and uh, change a tire for my wife. Mm -hmm. you know? Beautiful morning in Watts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I got some, going to end uh, with some great Good Friday news on the global front today. After months of governmental deliberating and heated public debate, Germany is officially legalizing. Uh, Guardian's uh, Kate Connolly reported early this morning that Germany's parliament passed a law allowing individuals to voluntarily uh, and voluntary associations to grow and hold limited quantities of cannabis. thus making Deutschland the latest in a small group of European countries and jurisdictions to legalize, at least in part. German council, uh, Chancellor Olaf Scholz Ruling three-party coalitions legislation legalizes cultivating up to three plants for private consumption, the possession of up to 50 grams of cannabis at one time at home, and 25 grams in public. At the start of a rowdy debate where the opposition accused him of promoting drug use, Health Minister Karl Lauterbach said that the ministry has two goals, to crack down on the black market and improve protection of children and young people dog whistle to the conservatives out there throw him a bone uh good luck with that first one carl there are three entities left on earth with completely unscathed records for victory father time the internet 
and of course, the trap. <laughs> if y'all can beat the trap, I'm sure the whole world will be taking notes. In an effort to persuade the world German evangelical conservatives um, believe in the same reefer madness, protect the children bullshit as their American counterparts, the Christian Democrat politician um, Tino Sorge said this, you are asserting in all seriousness that by legalizing more drugs, we will contain drug use among young people. That is the most stupid thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Lauterbach uh, clapped back by saying this kind of rhetoric amounted to uh, sticking our heads in the sand. We will not do that. About 7 million Germans are estimated to regularly use cannabis. The government said previously many users rely on the drug for medicinal reasons and that the new law will also improve the, quali the quality of cannabis consumed by increasing numbers of young people. Uh, doctors against legalization warned that it will endanger the health of young people by making the drug more accessible and thus increasing the, re uh, the risk of addiction. The Coalition of Social Democrats Greens and the pro-business FDP agreed back in November to move forward on the change, having cannabis legislation included in their coalition agreement on sharing power. German adults will be permitted to grow up to three plants and possess small amounts beginning April 1st. Three months later, cannabis will also be available in licensed not-for-profit clubs. That's right. Uh, not-for-profit clubs established solely to grow and distribute. Cannabis consumption for citizens uh, under 18 will, will continue to be prohibited. Opposition has come from uh, some of uh, a few of Germany's 16 states um, and that opposition. And of those th uh, 16 states, uh, they were responsible for the loudest of opposing voices, most notably the southern state of Bavaria, where the city of Munich resides, home of the world-famous Oktoberfest, a massive beer-drinking festival where tourists from around the world venture each year to enjoy the festivities. I grew up there. Uh, Bavaria is currently ruled by the conservative Christian Social Union, which has urged the government to rethink its new policies as they'll be the ones responsible for enforcement. Per the article, some of Lauterbach's fellow Social Democrats also issued warnings about the use of cannabis around schools and kindergartens. Uh, the minister, in turn, said legislation will prohibit the smoking of cannabis within 100 meters of educational establishments. These new developments make Germany the third European Union member to, to uh, member state to legalize cannabis for personal use, including Malta and Luxembourg. European medical advocates have been waiting for a positive result now for years and hope the decision by the continent's largest economy paves the way for other countries to follow suit. Having spent five years of my own youth living in Germany as an army brat back in Munich, I say it's a cause for a celebration and possibly a call to return at some point in the near future for the big Oktoberfest in Munich and take part in what will be the most glorious crossfade shit show the world has ever seen. <laughs> My only pause comes from Bavaria being so outspoken against legalization with the current conservative cabinet in charge. Um, I can only imagine how big of a power trip the Polizei over there uh, will be right out the gate. Maybe 2025 will be in the cards for me after I watch and see what goes down on year one. Those are just a few of my thoughts on the big news from across the pond. I want to hear from the rest of y'all. Big ups to my German advocates and activists over there who've worked hard for years to finally get to this point, and good luck. My name is Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News. Prost! Let's hear it, y'all. What y'all got to say? Man, Oktoberfest is going to be lit, man. There's going to be the crossfade for real out there, Dr. T. 
I don't know. I mean, I, it sounds like they, they've got to keep their German Germany sober side and then their uh, Oktoberfest side. Doesn't look like Bavaria is interested in cannabis. <laughs> well, we got to talk about Berlin, which is basically the New York of Europe. Yes. I lived there for two months in 2012, which was also the first year I judged my uh, or first time I judged a cannabis cup for high times in Amsterdam that year. Mm-hmm. And I remember. Oh, no. Did I just get kicked off? No, you're here. You're here. Continue. Oh, I'm here. Oh, sorry. My, okay, my computer froze. Um, I remember I was thinking back to that time, like, how did I get cannabis in Germany 10 years ago or in Berlin? Was I able to use it? If I was there for two months, I know I had to have. So, But there, um, Berlin is so cool. It's so diverse and international. Again, it's like this melting pot of cultures where people from all over Europe go to live and spend time. And I think that that's going to be a huge, huge Mecca for cannabis. And I love this nonprofit approach and Germans are so progressive and forward thinking and organized, um, that I think there's a lot of opportunity here. And then there's also the party side of Berlin, like Bernheim and their 24 hour clubs. I mean, they love drugs in Berlin. They love to party and it's just such a world-class city. I am ready to go. Let's go in April for ICBC. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they, they have, they have the best, uh, strip clubs out there too. How did I not know that? Yes, that like I've I've never been to a better better, Amsterdam. Better than Amsterdam. Better than yes, yes, a hundred percent. Germany, Germany takes the cake on a global scale as far as as far as their amenities and offerings and whatnot. I'm I'm all in support of Germany. Yeah, I just remember um, growing up as a youth. I was there uh, from age five to ten, eighty eight to uh, to ninety three, and. that was my first exposure to pornography. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, because they, uh, you remember, they don't hide it. They don't have the issues with uh, teen pregnancy, the SCDs and stuff that, uh, um, that America does because they don't hide it, uh, from the kids. And, um, they actually have real sex, sex ed at an early age. Um, it's not really, really taboo like it is here. And, um, you don't remember national lampoons youth. vacation. Rico, you remember National Lampoon's Vacation? That was when Rusty, yeah. the country, when Rusty got lucky at Oktoberfest, and the girl like takes him in the back alleyway and unbuttons her top, and you know what I'm saying? That was the whole the whole get down in Germany. Yeah, that was like the '80s too. Bro, it was Boomer. so great. The '80s were amazing. <laughs> I bet a lot of American companies are gonna go out there and try to capitalize on this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, a- absolutely. It, just to tie it back into Dr. T's story, don't they have to abide by these same treaties? I mean, aren't uh, they? Mo- mo- most German, mo- most German, most German weed is all imported from Canada, and it's all terrible. And that's why you should bring your own. They should get it from Spain. Am I right? Well, Spain is not legal there. Spain is not legal there either. It's just like tolerated. It's not yeah. legal there. I know. Yeah, yeah Tilray mm-hmm. and I, I believe it was a, a canopy growth have like a huge footprint mm-hmm. out there. Or they could get some uh, of that Colombian they can grow their own too, right? Yeah, they can grow Three their plants? own. That's the, yep. Three plants. Will that increase own. or are they limiting that? It's not going to increase. They just came yeah. out with this. Why would they increase it when they just came out with it? Well, well, don't don't you think? I mean, Ger- German is a manufacturing economy. Don't you think they're gonna just there's gonna be an industry that's gonna start? No. They're gonna start producing. No, I don't. And they're gonna produce they've, high they've quality already, product. No, they've all, always they, they've all, always taken the stance 
they've always taken the stance that uh, that there's other countries that are producing it uh, far better than them, and they don't want the drain on their power grid and whatnot. And so, no, they're, they're, it's not it's not in their interest to to produce that like that. There's but they cut, yeah, but, but Jason, but how how sustainable is that? You you know as well as I do when people. Well, let me start tell you growing. something. I can tell you exactly how sustainable it is because it's way cheaper to pay people in Colombia and Jamaica to grow weed than it is to pay people in the EU. But Jason, it was going to be a free for all uh, originally, and they cut the number of producers and importers mm-hmm. um, 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 significantly. Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, yeah, now it's just a handful of outside. Uh, importers that they're going to be dealing with, you know, mm-hmm. Canada is um, um, definitely uh, one of them. I think it's like one. I will say, I will say this for the people that are patients in the in countries that are member countries of the EU. Though probably the coolest yeah. thing that I learned one time when I was out there is that if you are a certified patient in one of those countries, your recommendation is good all throughout the European Union, whether or not that country has a, a medical program or not. Which I found it fascinating and amazing. Except for uh, the UK, because of the Brexit. UK is not yeah. UK is not part of uh, of the of the EU, bro. I said all like I said, the European because of, because Union of, countries. Brexit, they're they're not yeah. part of they're not part of the EU. They they have the pound, not the euro. That's how you know. Because of Brexit, <laughs> mm-hmm. so you stay in the you stay in the EU, and uh, you can you can hop on that bullet train, go to any of those any of those countries, mm-hmm. uh, get your tourism on, and do the damn thing, man. Yeah, you know exactly. Saying? Exactly. Shut well, you, you, here's here's what I predict because this kind of same thing happened in Switzerland. You know, Switzerland and Germany are related in many many ways historically. I bet there's going to be a trap market in Germany, and it's going to crush. There already is a trap people, market in Germany. Yeah. Well, I think it's just this is just going to make it even bigger and better. Oh man, yeah. it may make it bigger and better. They, they have the they have the best munchies over there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You well, can get several pounds from three plants, right? You can get quite a few if you're growing outdoors. If you're growing outdoors, um, yeah. 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 I mean, I've seen so, I've seen five, six pound plants in my lifetime. I don't know yeah. if we have a cycle to grow outdoors, though. Doesn't it get cold and dark so early in the year there? I, I don't think Germany is the Good smartest question. place to grow outdoor yeah. weed, but you know what I mean? But nonetheless, I have I have one more story for you guys. Congratulations, Germany. Yay. Yes, good job, you guys. But I'll tell you what, who's 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 a little bit sad, you know, on, on this Friday. Who's Re- sad? Are you ready? It's Ohioans. It's Ohioans. Because recreational marijuana dispensaries in Ohio won't be allowed to advertise on billboards. So now, just because of that title, I wonder, are they going to allow the medical companies to advertise on billboards? But I, I'm still... We'll find out. Jim Canepa, the director of Ohio Cannabis Control, says that unless the legislature decides to intervene to speed up the license approval process for those looking for a recreational marijuana license, he will approve applications on September 7th. The first round of applications are what's called dual purpose. That means those dispensaries that are already selling medical marijuana, once uh, September rolls around, uh, Canepa says he expects between 300 and 350 adult use marijuana licenses will be approved initially. Kanipa said that Ohio will not allow dispensaries to advertise on billboards or on the side of the road, something he said Michigan did, and it felt that was a mistake, he says. He says dispensaries will have to be one mile from each other and 500 feet from any school or church. As as for its impact on the black market, Kanipa believes it will 
drive customers away from the illegal seller and explain explained why in quotes he says if there are customers who have a choice between getting products that are tested for pesticides and heavy metals and molds and bacteria e coli and a product that is legal and tested and safe and sold by someone with a permit who is required to follow the law versus some underground exchange in an alley. I think the choice is pretty clear, Kanipa said. Obviously, this guy doesn't live in reality, but nonetheless. Passage of issue number two in November made Ohio the 24th state to allow adult use cannabis for non-medical purposes. And the law, the law, the new law allows adults 21 and over to buy and possess up to two and a half ounces of cannabis and to grow plants at home. Issue two also placed a 10% tax on legal marijuana sales under HB 86, and the marijuana tax rate would go up to 15% ultimately. The bill will also allow for local governments and local local counties to levy an additional tax on top of the marijuana excise tax of 3%. Well, I'll tell you that right there. That's two great reasons on why people would definitely choose that back alleyway over a legal shop. But nonetheless, this is just crazy just let them be on billboards what is the big deal you guys i mean strip clubs have billboards sex shops have billboards i mean i've driven on a highway and seen just a naked woman across the billboard promoting a yeah strip club yeah but that's in las vegas that's in nevada this is going to get repealed this is going to get repealed in a quickness because Michigan is already ha- all, Michigan dispensaries already have billboards in Ohio <laughs> to to get better weed. Yeah, but they in Michigan. Oh, they they, they well. They, so so you're telling me that the state of Ohio wouldn't have any jurisdiction on them advertising in there? Yeah, because they're not Ohio dispensaries. Mm, Ohio dispensaries can't uh, can't use billboards, but billboards uh, are already being used by Michigan. Uh, a dispensary he's telling them to go to michigan for better weed oh man i'm not mad and, and not to, i mean i think they should advertise too that they actually sell ace i think that would be a good yeah. selling point it, it'll be another loss for ohio mm-hmm. um to michigan i don't think it's gonna stand down in Ohio, swag like Ohio. Down in Ohio, swag like Ohio. I see it. I see it. I see it, bro. I see exactly what you're talking about. There's going to be a big football game, I think, that's going to decide the ultimate outcome of this, Rico. Yeah. Yeah. Tense. Get your tense. Get your tense. Get your tense on deck. Dr. T, I mean, what do, what do you think about what do you think about this, Dr. T? Do you think medicines should be advertised on billboards? You know, you, it's funny you bring that up. It, it reminds me of uh, of the days when you know medicine was not allowed to be advertised. Pharmaceuticals were yeah. not allowed to be advertised. I remember that. I don't know. Yeah, and then that changed, and I was like, wow, this is going to really. Um, change the industry because they were also um, having to advertise their negative effects, which Mm -hmm. doctors in general really never did. Uh, So now the world was realizing that all these pills had negative effects through this advertising. But people still take them. People still take them and they still sign up for them like crazy. Well, one might say that cannabis is starting to replace that because they're looking for um, alternatives. They don't want to get the side effects of the medicines, and so they're looking for other things. And so it, it may have given rise to the cannabis industry sort of as a side effect. Yeah. Um, but I would have to say, in, in, you know, the, the issue is also always over-regulation. You know, you can control this by not uh, preventing 
billboards or advertising. You can just simply say, yeah, advertise all you want, but you have to have some positive cannabis health message in mm -hmm. your advertising. Mm -hmm. And that way it educates the public rather than restricts access to the public. Um, and so there's an easy way to handle this. You know, you, people will pay for those advertising. They'll advertise their products, but you just tell them what they can put on the billboard and what they can't. That's a great idea, Dr. T. Like maybe smoke responsibly. <laughs> Yeah, like smoke responsibly. Yeah. How about how yeah. about how about like how about know your dose? Like um, you know what's good and what's not. You know all of that. How about like a booth free zone? Well, we got to decide what booth is first. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We got to classify and decide. What oh, booth I, is I, first. I mean, I, I, I could teach you all about this. I could <laughs> spot booth a mile away, Doctor T. I can show you how and tell you which bags to which bags not to touch. Well, the world would appreciate your perspective. It's just that we need maybe just an objective measurement um, rather than Jason's eyes. I'm extremely uh, objective. Because you just don't have enough eyes <laughs> to go around the world. <laughs> Are you telling me I got to I mean, start we wearing glasses? You. you telling me I got to start wearing glasses? I'm you'd have to be ex evaluating everybody's weed all over the world. That's going to be a tough one. What if, what if I partnered up with Elon Musk and they made me an AI? <laughs> that's in the works that's I'm in sure. the works <laughs> in back we trust in back we trust exactly amazing <laughs> amazing yeah. don't, don't give this man any more ideas <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez oh man that was good uh, you ready Rico alright yeah one second, one second oh man here we go thank you all for joining us for yet another week of High at Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fan show on love. Getting their comments posted live on the big screen. Our live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. Our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, cloud media partners, uh, all our sponsors keeping the lights on, our AV struggles to a minimum. Big shout out to Demetrius holding shit down. Big shout out no, to Adam. No, we have Adam, Adam back today. Feather Adam hair. back in the building. Ooh, hair looking, man. I swear, you look like a, a young John Travolta, John uh, Jason, <laughs> <laughs> baby JT, huh? <laughs> little baby goatee. <laughs> the butt, you got a little butt chin going oh, on. Boy. I like it, man. Oh, I dig boy. it. I oh, dig boy. it. All right, as always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason we show up to read these stories every single day. Thank you too. It has been Friday, February twenty third, twenty twenty. Four. I was about to say 23. Right there. Uh, the, show's been, uh, the show is over. You've all been blessed the top industry headlines. Hope was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until Monday. My name is Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. For High 9 News, the cannabis industry's number one daily news show. I give it to uh, Dr. Mark in the dark. What you got for us, man? You're going to take these people out, give them some good messaging for the weekend. Yeah, here's my message. Uh, oh, it's a special February. It's a leap year. You know what that means? We get a, a February 29th, which is kind of like an extra day this year that we get. So, so leap ahead, everyone. Do something extra this month with that extra day.